The Sharks fall to the Dallas Stars 5-4. Joe Pavelski with the dagger in the third period, holding it up on the boards. The Sharks just unable to get a puck on net in the dying seconds. And that's how it would go down in the books. All that and more after this. But first, if you want to be a part of the show and interact with us, check us out across all of the social media platforms, that being Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the YouTube chat, SoundCloud. You also got us on the Reddit and, of course, all the shenanigans that go down in the Discord. Find all of that and more at tealtownusa.com. Well, while we are waiting for Puck Guy to get home, he's currently on the road somewhere. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's he's either on 680 or 880, <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> um, I will be uh, going ahead and breaking this down for you, uh, and uh, we'll go through this game and see what we can take out of it, because uh, quite frankly... Again, if you hadn't been uh, joining us prior to tonight's show, well, welcome. But uh, as I had said before, really setting our expectations now, looking into the silver linings and to the uh, into the future of the Sharks organization. So with that being said, let us start with the breakdown. The Sharks would come out firing with guns a-blazing. Nick Bonino with his ninth of the season and uh you know we had talked about this guy being a slow starter and now with nine goals you know he's uh starting to kind of bounce back just a little now of course it's still off of what we expected at the beginning of the season but i think we've all kind of come to the realization that nick Benino at this point is miscast as a third line center and should be the the team's fourth line center that being said nick Benino with a great second effort it was a uh uh, bring in from Noah Gregor, very aggressive on the boards, getting that puck out to Eric Carlson. With Eric Carlson shooting it on net, Nick Benino there crashing to get the goal. And you thought, okay, you know what? Sharks coming out and uh, really sticking it to the stars. You like to jump in that very first two minutes of the of the period. However, Vladi Nemestikov would come back uh, not even 25 seconds later, so a minute and 50. So let's just say the first minute and 30 seconds was good by the Sharks. Uh, Tyler Sagan would get the assist there on uh, Nemestikov's 14th goal. That would make it 1-1. And then you thought, oh boy, this could be a uh, barn burner, especially at the beginning of the first period, getting those back-to-back goals so quickly. Uh Yanni Hockenpah coming in at 8 minutes 11 seconds of that first period, getting his third on the season. Tyler Sagan again and Vadi Nemestikov hooking up for the assists on that goal by Yanni Hockenpah. Then you thought, oh boy, the Avalanche is starting to, no pun intended from last game, uh, is starting to roll down on these Sharks. Uh, and you'd have Rupe Hintz scoring a minute and 43 seconds later, his 30th on the season. Joe Pavelski and John Klingberg with the assists on that one. And then you had the backbreaker. And then this one, to me, was was when the game was lost. Um, even though the Sharks did put up a valiant effort in that third period, that fourth goal was the backbreaker. It was uh, the inexcusable play in front of the net. 
Um, and you know what? Full marks for Jason Robertson, his 32nd on the on the year with Tyler Sagan and Dennis Garyanoff with the assists. Whew. Okay, well, how can we break this one down? This one comes with approximately 0.3 seconds left on the clock. Rick Boness had pulled the goaltender, so they had six attackers on the ice. And it was just a bull rush play. You you got the 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 face-off win back. It was actually tied up a little for a few seconds. It wasn't a clean face-off win, but then they pulled it back to the defenseman. Defenseman puts it on net. It uh, goes wide, and you get the rebound, and then Robertson's just right there, parked out in front. Nobody's there to clear him in front of the net, and uh, and Kapo Kakinen is, is hung out to dry. And we look at the, the first four goals, and to me... You know, the, the Vladi Nemestikov was a breakdown. The Jason Robertson was a breakdown. The goal that I felt Kapo Kakening should have had probably should have been the Yanni Hockenpah, only because that one was the one that came out, you know, from the, uh, you know, from the point. Um, you know, it was a side-to-side movement on that blue line uh, when you did get that goal scored, and it was... Um, Capo Kakinen had already committed to one side of the net. Now Capo, I thought, was a little forward of the blue ice and a little far out into his net and committed very quickly to that play. Um, so if you want to fault Capo there, um, I, I would understand why. I think some of the decision-making in and around was a little squirrely tonight. Um, but the other three goals were just self-inflicted wounds. And I had not seen... Drew Remenda, that animated, breaking down an intermission uh, since, you know, since his second stint, you know, the stint where, you know, we, we saw him um, uh, really start to voice his displeasure with the Sharks defensive in, defensive uh, alignments and, and systems and and was, um, you know, one of the one of the reasons, one of the criticisms that that some of the fan base had had in that second sit that he had was was just that it was very very um emotional and it was also not the same type of teaching moments that that drew would use and and luckily i think drew did a really good job after those first initial comments of look it was inexcusable unacceptable he was he was frustrated i mean brody was frustrated it it sounded like the 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 announcers, both Randy and, and Hetty, were frustrated with that, um, with that goal with in the dying seconds, dying milliseconds of the period. And quite frankly, you know, I I, I see exactly what they're saying there. And and the Sharks had just literally took their foot off the accelerator pedal. I don't know if they thought maybe the guy was going to tie up on the faceoff circle a little bit longer than it did. Um, however, their miscue was Dallas's opportunity and, and Dallas took advantage of it. Um, and again, seeing Drew that animated, this is the first time that we've seen a team like this have, have, I think all season to me, one of the most major gaffes at the end of a period. Now we had seen a little bit of the team giving up, um, goals at the end of, of periods, but I don't think we've seen anything like this. And, um, unfortunately it was total defensive breakdown. Um, 
And uh, okay, so uh, Rick, Ricky, thank you for um, for chiming in there, and and we're gonna try and roll in some of these comments a little bit quicker due to the the solo cast here. But uh, Ricky is saying I, I disagree on the Robertson goal. Cock was pushed up really far, and that's why he could bounce it in off of him. And, and again, I think that that kind of goes into we, I talked about the Hawk and Paw goal where Capo seemed like he was a little bit over aggressive, and we could argue that most of that first period he was trying to play aggressive now whether or not he's trying to keep the team in and trying to make more saves because of a defensive you know sets of miscues um who knows but he faced uh 14 shots in that opening period and uh saved 10 of them i mean it's a 714 save percentage uh, again i i put fault major blame on one of those goals um but i think you could also make an argument as well in that last goal that he was kind of over committing <laughs> and uh Bosaurus, uh you're right Hedekin, uh, i love uh, gotta gotta have those uh gotta have those chimes from hetty right uh we also got hot wheels 84 saying the second or excuse me, the fourth goal with two seconds left is unacceptable. Uh, Hot Wheels, I, am, I hate to break it to you, but it was even worse than that. It had 0 0.3 seconds left. Whew. Um, and then uh, THC, thank you so much there. Uh, he's got, that had to be scripted. Joe Pavelski with the game winner. Um, Joe Pavelski with the game winner. Joe Pavelski eating the puck in the corner in the dying seconds. Uh, you know, it looked like Joe came to play against his team, and he normally does. Um, to me, I think that's just still a player, maybe the mirror of Carlson, insofar as looking at a team that he was playing with, you know, from all accounts, loved the area, loved, you know, being a San Jose Shark, not to be offered, or in Carlson's case, to be traded away, but going to a different team, and you still kind of have that... Uh, Maybe he has some of those grasses greener on the other other side thoughts. Not, of course, right now because of the way in which the Sharks are playing and where they're at in their positioning. But, you know, there could be some nostalgia there. Um. <laughs> oh, boy. And uh, Ricky, this is this is a nice little chime on to THG uh, and to everybody else. Or Bozosaurus, excuse me. Uh, what does he say more? You're right or I agree? <laughs> Well, I think if you watch the Pucknologist this coming weekend, uh, you'll be tuning into a new little drinking game that AJ wants to be playing. AJ, I, I don't know if you're gonna if you're gonna announce the rules of this game, but uh, it's fun. And um, just from everything I've been reading in the uh, in the DMs, it'll get you fucked up real quick. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that, Ricky, and excuse my language there, but uh, just had to go out and. Uh, just try to describe it a little bit more than getting screwed up that's for sure in that second period brent burns would give the sharks a little bit of life giving him giving the sharks a two to four still on the disadvantage but climbing back in jacob magna and shaha shemilevsky there on the assists with brent burns ninth goal of the season you know brent burns really being the offensive backbone of the of the defense you know again we're, we were hoping and and wanting to see both Burns and Carlson ascend to this uh 
balanced kind of offensive attack where you could roll out an offensive defenseman upon each of the pairings, but unfortunately, they're just not really panning out. And, uh, you know, Brent Burns, again, just showing that, you know, he can still bring the goods offensively. <laughs> um, Hot Wheels, I mean, look, we were talking about Brent Burns, and we know who his favorite target was and, and uh, you know, who would set Burnsy up a lot as well. And, uh, yeah, Sharks could, could sure use Joe's 68 points. And it's just interesting because Joe Pavelski now is in the second contract with Dallas after the three years that he signed. He signed a one-year extension. And Evander Kane is now not on the team and signed a larger extension just kind of goes to show you the net um net minus that that equation had between those those two players and in subtracting one for the other and again we've talked about it ad nauseum um but i will go to my sharks fandom grave saying that joe pavelski was the cap casualty not of eric carlson but of uh evander kane and uh, again, it's just real, real miscuing. And, and of course, hindsight is 50-50. But when you've got a guy who's a heart and soul guy, it, it, it's never a bad thing to, to, to pay that player. And again, we can, we can talk about it and talk about it and cover it and cover it until the cows come home. And it's not going to change anything. But uh, that was the miscue, and I think that that you you could say that that one move set the franchise back. Um, the, of course, the franchise needed to be reset anyways, and that was coming whether or not Evander was going to stay or um, you know any of the other players uh, you know coming and going and, and trying to build around uh, an EK sixty five led team. But you know, again, you just look at one player versus the other. Uh, Ryan Baker pulling it up. Um, San Jose is paying the price for not signing Pravelski. They're getting punished for it. And that's the way that I see it. <laughs> um, as, uh, as AJ likes to say, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, in that third period, of course, we've teased it out quite a bit. Joe Pavelski with his 25th goal of the year, Jason Robertson and Rupe Hintz. I mean, that number one line for Dallas first, it comes out of nowhere. I mean, yes, Hintz and, and um, Robertson were, were good prospects, but playing with a guy like Joe Pavelski, those three have just started to lock in and you've got two young wingers with, <laughs> you know, with, with, uh, with paths. And, and it's just, it's great to see that those two have rejuvenated him. He looks like he's having fun again. And, um, you know, from from all of us over here, I mean, it, it we'd love to see a number 16 get the big shiny thing. That's for sure. Um, John Leonard would really start to make it interesting, though. Uh, his first of the season, Eric Carlson and Mario Ferraro hooking up uh, on the assist there for, for Johnny Leonard's first goal. And honestly, in the last three games had been the best that I'd seen John Leonard play this season. Um Really, I think starting to understand what he needs to do uh, to be a, uh, a pro, what he needs to do to be uh, a effective NHLer day in and day out. And that is use his speed, use his shots, and use a little bit of that tenacity and grit grittiness that he has in the boards. Look, 
I'm not asking him to be, you know, Tomas Hurdle. I'm not asking him to be, uh, you know, a, a Barkley Goodrow bull, you know, that's able to, to keep that puck possession, you know, just being a, a bigger player of stature. I'm not asking him to be that. But what I am asking him to do is to utilize his tools that he has, which is a deceptive shot and his skating and that feistiness in and around the net. And uh, to me, that's what he's got to do to continue to be a professional in this league. It's good to see him be rewarded with some really hard net play. And that's what we we saw in that goal. And again, it came 15-21 in that third period. So it does give the Sharks a little bit of life. Logan Couture would come in and give the Sharks even more of a teaser with his 22nd of the year, Shasha Chemilevsky and Noah Gregor with the assists. I thought Shasha Chemilevsky was was one of the better forwards tonight. Driving play, they, they moved him in and out different spots. He ended up playing most of his time with uh, Logan tonight uh, on his wing, but I thought that those two were playing very well together. I liked... Um, I liked Noah Gregor's game, and I think that's why we saw him elevated in that third period. Jonathan Dolan, to me, still looking like a guy needing to figure out his, uh, you know, figure out his footing. Needs to figure out how to be a little bit stronger on the puck. He, he seems streaky, and of course, the confidence you know ebbs and flows with him. So he's going to be a guy that I'm going to, you know, really look to build next season and really look to be a guy that is going to be counted upon for a lot of offense. And again, a player that we're now projecting to be more of a top six. Well, he's got to be a top six player with the skills that he brings and the deficiencies that he has. Right. I don't think he would, it would thrive on a, on a third or fourth line type of uh of role because to me he's more of a finesse skill type player but again you know this is a guy that's going to need to look at the uh didn't you know this is a guy that needs to look at the footage of this season look and, and take away the the good attributes that he was having at the beginning of the season and bring that into next season um AJ, thank you so much for, for man in the chat as always. Um, Boogie didn't like two of the four goals allowed by uh, Kokkinen, uh tonight. And again, I think, you know, it had had we kind of looked at it, I think if we look at the first period in a, in a, um, in a chasm within itself or the game within the game, um, this was a guy to me looking like he was playing aggressive, in order to cover up for deficiencies in, in his defense. Tonight, it was a guy that looked over-aggressive because he was trying to make sure that nothing was getting in um, and, and maybe sensing that the team in front of him just didn't have it together defensively tonight. D didn't have it together defensively in that first period. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, and I think that that's really what buried the Sharks. Um, but, again... Two out of four, yeah, I, I I think you could you could make a strong argument for that. Uh, did Reedy end up coming back in Hot Wheels eighty four? Yes, he did. He did take shifts in that third period. Um, Ricky asking, it's sad that neither Reedy or Chemilevsky can win faceoffs, both at forty percent. Okay, I think we might be back. 
boy, I mean, we're just talking about having these same old, same old technical issues. Of course, you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a teal town podcast without technical issues. That's for sure. Uh, but I guess now we're back. <laughs> so we were talking about where the team was at and, uh, you know, where the, where the state of the franchise is with regards to the kids. And again, Sasha Chemilevsky and uh, Scott Reedy being under 40% tonight. It's bad, but again, at least they're starting from 40%. It's not like, you know, they're completely inept back there. Um, I'll have to take a look and, and on the breakdowns for just how they did across the different, um, uh, you know, just just across the different periods. So we'll go through quickly now the shots on goal. Uh, it was 29-28 in favor of Dallas. Uh, of course, uh, James Reimer would come in in that second period in relief. Uh, he would give up the one goal um, and, and really give the, the Sharks a chance to, to hang on. Um, you got some great contributions from... John Leonard, like I had said before, Logan Couture getting on the board, Nick Benino getting on the board, and uh, Eric Carlson with two assists. He was a blank in the plus minus. Uh, Jason Mega was a plus one. Uh, tonight, the ice, down, uh, ice time breakdowns on the defenseman. Mario Ferraro clocking in at 21.54, almost 22 minutes worth of ice time. Jason Magna with 19 minutes, Mark Edward Vlasic with 15 minutes, Nicholas Maloche with 16 minutes, Eric Carlson 24-39, Brent Burns 23-14, and now, ladies and gentlemen, we are starting to see Eric Carlson get some more ice time over uh, Brent Burns, and uh, I think that that's kind of the way that it should be. So, yeah. Uh, PJ, thank you so much for, for uh, chiming in. Put them on the wings and spend for a fourth-line center problem solved. Well, I think that was kind of the idea behind Nick Benino, right? I think Nick Benino was the guy that you were trying to tap. At least I think the Sharks originally thought he was going to be the third-line center. But like I had been saying before, you know, my expectations was, especially with where he's at in his age, is, is more of a fourth-line uh, center. And so that is a misread I think a little bit uh, or or a miscast from the front office um <laughs> PJ saying how many beer cans did Reimer crush on his head <laughs> oh boy I'm not really sure on that one um but he must have crushed a lot because he was crushing it in the nets that's for sure uh let's see well that being said I mean that's pretty much the game in the nutshell the Sharks would fall again four to five against the Dallas stars. And, um, for me, it, I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of a, of a flurry of shots in that last minute. You had that, that, that puck bounce across Brent Burns's stick. It was on the yellow dasher and, uh, you just couldn't keep it in. And that bringing it back in with a weak play and allowing the Dallas stars to pin that puck on the boards that ended it. And and that was the killer. And that's what, what a, what a good team with, with some will and good leadership can do is just snuff out any attempt to come back and, and really 
put the screws on the Sharks defensively when it really counted. Now, I think you'll see some excuse me, you'll see some score effects there, especially at play in the third period. And I think that that's why the Sharks were able to manufacture some goals because they did tilt the ice just a little bit, uh, you know, in that last dying 10 minutes. Um, but uh, it was good to see the fight back. Wasn't good to see the miscue and the mis-execution um, on, uh, on the end of that play. Uh, PJ, thank you uh, so much for uh, chiming in with another question. Eric, what do you think about the Hockenpah stick lift on hurdle to draw the four-minute power play? Oh, boy. Um, when I think about that one, yeah, you think about the player that's lifting his stick and uh, moving the trajectory of his stick upward, but you've also got to be strong on it too. And you can't just let your stick just get lifted or get ridden up like that because if Hurdle is a little bit stronger on his stick there and is able to, to prevent and, and hold down that stick lift – and keep his stick high enough to where the official can see it. If you if you have the player coming and doing that again, that's a hook. And maybe the call goes the other way. If Hurdle is a little bit uh, a little bit stronger on that stick. Um, but I think the letter of the law states that you have to have full control over your stick. Um, with the exception being a follow through. Um, being hit on the follow through, um, and uh, you know Ricky chiming in again as a ref said it to me in Pee Wee's, it's still your stick and it still can't hit him in the face. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just uh, you know having having control of your stick, right? And that's the name of the game. And unfortunately, Hurdle just wasn't able to to keep the muscle on that one, and and that's kind of what happened there. And you had the um. You had the four-minute power play. So that is kind of how I look at that one. It's still on the onus is on the player with the stick that uh, is going into the face of the other player, regardless of, of uh, where that comes up and, and how that comes, comes up. Uh, we were talking a little bit about... Um, we're talking a little bit about the wingers and um, PJ also bringing it up and, and I promise I'm not just picking PJ out of here, um, but he's got some great points for us to talk about uh, putting, putting some guys on the wing and spending for that fourth line center. Um, Felix though, coming in with, um, do you think the Sharks will ever have a, a set um, tandem in net again anytime soon? And um, for me, I think, Again, the play is going to be Kapo Kakinen. I think you spend the the capital that you did to get him, and he's going to be a guy that you're going to look for towards the future. And I say you roll with Aiden Hill, and and I I say you take the two younger guys. Of course, Reimer is going to have one more year left on his contract, but a 36 year old, 37 year old James Reimer. How much more can you ask of him? You know what I mean? And and how much more can he sustain the type of play that he's got now? I, I, I don't know. It could be another one of those those uh Pavelskian-esque deals where it's like, okay, you know, you're gonna pick one of the um you're gonna pick the guy that you think has a better shot of having the extended career, but at the cost of somebody who's 
playing high level hockey right now. It it'll be an interesting move. It'll be interesting to see how they address that in the off season. Um, I don't think you can go into the season with three potential one A one B type starters. Um, either 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 of those goaltenders once one of the three has got to be a one A. The other two, you know, are are, are bona fide goaltenders. Whether or not they're going to be full time you know, workhorse type guys, or they're going to be a 1B1A type of of, uh, of set configuration, that's going to be what's the Sharks going to need to find out with what they have in Coconut. Um, Aiden Hill, there's not enough sample size. I mean, there's not enough sample size for both of them, to be quite honest, for me to be comfortable anointing a, uh, a first-line goaltender. But at this point, I think you look at the pedigree, and I think you look at uh, I, I think you look at keeping Aiden Hill, and you keep Kapo Kakinen, and you give the benefit of the doubt to Kakinen. Okay, let's see if we can route Puck Guy in here. Let's pull in this two shot, and let's see if we can get Puck Guy. There he is. <laughs> Puck Guy, how are you doing this evening? Hey, bud. Uh-oh. Uh, good to see you, man. We can't hear Puck Guy. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Come on now. Still can't hear the Puck Guy. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, let's see here. Let me make sure my... I'll, I'll uh, check all my stuff because, you know, it's usually uh, my fault when that happens. Okay. <laughs> so. Well, there we go. We'll see. Now. Now we're back in. <laughs> You're back in? All right. Make sure... Hey, make, while you get... I'll talk for a sec. You you get the... the <laughs> the two panels set up make it look all nice and pretty oh uh, we know, already are sure not... we're already okay. good in there <laughs> we're rocking and rolling all right all right uh i think that's the fastest i've ever i ever uh, drove from uh <laughs> well actually it was it was amanda it's two that's drove from san jose to uh, <laughs> uh to uh concord so <sighs> well Ad hoc, that's for sure, and uh, you know we're making it interesting here at the end, kind of like the Sharks, right? Absolutely, um, made it interesting at the end. Horrible, horrible, uh, you know, last eighteen thirty-five of the first period, uh, you know. Uh, but you know, getting things going, that was nice, uh, and, and then just to, you know fall apart. But we've always talked about they need to play a complete sixty minutes, right? And that fourth goal just showed how they weren't ready. They didn't even I, play I, complete twenty minutes. I mean, yeah, right? And that's the problem <laughs> is that you can't you can't sh- show up a minute in and you can't show up like the last ten minutes into a third period. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where uh, it's frustrating to see, um, you know, and of, and of course the the Pavelski goal sets everybody off on on everything um you know he, he, he can only do so much but you know uh, nice to have a nice crowd out there tonight and the thing was about fourteen thousand. uh good crowd it was the first game with no covid restrictions in the oh, building wow. so uh and it was a pretty long line it, it almost went to the uh, other end of the of the arena so i can only imagine what the front end looked like um I mean, a nice crowd, good crowd. 
they wanted to see some some hockey. They got it got interesting. Uh, I, I guess to uh, get through that game, you you get tacos out of it, so that's always a good thing. <laughs> but, yes, um, at least at least we get tacos, right? Um, puck guy, I, I got, mean, but, but besides, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, just besides, kind of like the the overall ambiance, you know, with, with what the presentation was like tonight, it sounds like that we had a good bounce back crowd. So that's awesome. Um, to you, I mean, I'm not looking at this season any more than as an incubator for the next season. And as far as that goes, what do you, what'd you see from the young kids that were, that were working tonight? Where do you think some of the, mistakes were coming from whether or not was that more of a of a style of play thing or were those young mental mistakes so just kind of give me a, a forecast on on what you thought of the kids tonight on the kids you know and, and I'll, I'll throw this and whip this in with with timo and you remember how they said that uh hurdle and timo feel like they need to play their strongest because they're the one that are dependent on i saw a little bit of timo trying to be the be a hero a little too much tonight um i also saw them trying to get into the dump and chase a lot and dallas was beating them with speed and getting to the puck first nothing was happening there you know uh but what did i see i saw john leonard you know with a nice goal there i think he went into the corners a little hard to try to make things happen uh, I think they're they're realizing that they can't pull up with Bolkapuki anymore. You know, yeah, you can you can win with the with the skill, but you need to have a 200 foot game. Um, and I think they're all realizing that they could be as talented as ever. And I hope that talent gets to be shown and flourished, uh, like a certain Anaheim Duck that was getting called out by uh, a goon. In his heyday, that wears, you know, plaid sportswear to make himself try to look like he's the marketing guy. Um, but you hope that they can get their 200-foot game going uh, with their speed and their moves. I thought, you know, Shemilevsky, which I was like, oh, so close to getting his first NHL goal. Uh, would That would have been a nice one. Uh, but you see the effort. You see them trying to do things. Um, I still don't understand why Ryan Merkley was scratched tonight. Like, I mean, Vlasic was giving him kudos about how he's made him young again, made him an offensive threat. Uh, I, I thought, you know, he was giving him all kinds of love and everything. And you, you go out and you put Malosh instead of Merkley in. Uh, I, I'm not sure about that. I don't know why Magna was with Burns, especially with Mario Ferraro back. Um, and, and uh, you know, <laughs> uh, names, 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 names. Count, count. Oh, I'll give names. Uh, Freaking Tyson Nash on the Arizona broadcast was given kudos to Jay Beagle, who hasn't done shit since he left uh, the Capitals. You know, he played up in Vancouver for a little bit and then gets traded <laughs> as part of the OEL deal. Right. And he's like, yeah, if these guys are going to, you know, try to fancy the league, you know, uh, they got to be watching out. Shut the hell up. I'm sorry, but you know what? Keep your mouth shut, Tyson. You didn't do shit when you were with St. Louis. All you were was like a little instigator, a shit disturber. Oh, what's shocking? You're a shit disturber again. Like, give me a break. 
these kids are are becoming with a more talented skill set than we've seen in a long time. Maybe you know, with the exception of of ninety nine, Gordy, Sid, hell, I mean, you could put Connor McDavid in in there as well. McDavid, with all that. McDavid, and and and, um, and uh, Nathan McKinnon. I mean, to me, you know, Nathan Mack got to be yeah. got to be up there too. So the, these kids are are, are going to be learning things. Um, you know, you feel Faridi who got hurt a little bit there, but he did come back. But he, yeah, he, he came, came back. He came back and gutted it out. Um, somebody else brought up uh, Ferraro gutting it out in that third period, limping kind of at the end of the third. Um, Bob, I think, coming out and uh, saying that um, you know Mario got better as the game went on, not back to a hundred percent speed yet. Mario's always going to give everything he has and battled hard. But the question okay. that I have for you is WTF. You got right. a Ryan Merkley who's arguably elevating his partner and you're playing a half, well, not half, but maybe a 80%, 85% Mario Ferraro. I mean, let the kid rest and recoup he's, okay. he, because he's the type of player you have to keep out as a coach because he's never going to say, I can't play. Okay, here's here's my thing. Does Bob Bugner think the Sharks still have a chance at the playoffs? Obviously, does, does from Bob Bugner think he still has a shot at the playoffs? From from the moves tonight and from the the way in which he's deploying his skaters, it says yes, he thinks that they still have a chance. Okay, well let me ask. I'll say this: the Sharks have 14 games left. And sorry, I'm reading off my phone. So that's 28 possible points if they went on a run. Which, you know, remember, they're one good run away from from getting back into this thing. 28 points plus 66 is 94. Okay. Uh, 94 points. So that means their tragic number is at 13. 13 points. That means basically six losses, six losses. In, their, in their last 15 games. Why are you putting out Mario Ferraro if he's not 100%? Why did you rush him from a a broken bone he had to have surgery on it five weeks ago to play in in the game to play in these games now and mind you it. mind you you know a fracture and 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 the break they're always going to be of different severities we didn't know the severity i mean it was not like it was a clayton keller-esque type injury but still a broken bone is a broken bone like you said but but landy who who was the, going before he got injured who was the league leader in block shots Mario Ferrara. So if he takes a slapper, let's see, who are we playing next on Tuesday? Edmonton? Edmonton. Yep. So what if really on dry style takes a uh you know, a one timer from the slot and Ferraro gets blocked and for some reason his equipment fails on him. And shatters his leg again in the same spot? Right. I, I mean it's it's inept it's inept coaching decisions. That this this one was an inept move. And I have no, there is no, there's no excuses for the way in which he's deploying his blue line other than the fact that he might be trying to play for his job or he might, you know, be, be coaching for his job at this point. Maybe I, maybe th that's what he's feeling some kind of internal pressure. I mean, that that's the case. And I get it because I know he's had a rough go with it as even beforehand with, with the Panthers. But my, my whole point is, is why are you putting out Mario Ferraro? I know that he makes your team that much better, even not at 100%. But 
let's face reality, people. Unless this team goes 13-1 and one and then gets a hell of a lot of help, they're not making it. This team is not going to make it for the first time. They're not going to be going to the playoffs in three straight years. I mean, and I get there are expectations to improve, but at the same time, you can't tell me that putting Ferraro out there and at the same time, LeBanc's been like waiting to get medical clearance and now all of a sudden today, oh, well, we might we don't just put him on the shelf for the season. Okay, so you wasted that space that you could have used on LTIR, which you could have used to broker deals and, and stuff. You waste uh, on with that. The, I mean, with the on. broker deals, I, and, and I will give the Sharks the benefit out of, out of the doubt on that one because I think at this point you've got um, – you only had one or two broker deals happen at that trade. Oh, sure. Sure. So I won't, I won't sit here and, and put the gun to, to the sharks front office on, on missing some opportunities to collect assets there, because I think that they did have some trades in place that just got blown up last second. That being said, I understand the sentiment, you know, why are these um, health decisions and, and roster management decisions being made and, and who's making those decisions it sounds like to me it looks like bob is having a lot of of the say in which okay you know how am i going to deploy players x y and z who's going to be available to me and and who's not and um it, i don't know i again scratching ryan merkley for an 80 percent mario ferrar really leaves a sour taste in my mouth and you leave out Nicholas Malosh with Vlasic, or you move him around and you put him with Carlson. Uh, I think you, you're playing around with fire, and and it's just not good. It, I mean, I get you're trying out people, and you don't have a whole lot of people to, to touch and play. Um, but I think you've put out a roster that you, you think is healthy enough to play a good chunk of pucks and granted ferraro played played fairly decent tonight but like i said if you're risking that and he's limping and he's hurting i mean while the guy is a great locker room guy uh, i know there's a fight over if if you're going to get rid of couture uh having the c that you know ferraro is one of the guys there sure I mean, he's he's one of those guys, and he's going to be one of those leaders, whether he has an A or not on his sweater, or a C for that matter. I, I just I, there are some of these moves that I that are head scratchers, and you know, and I I just hope that once there is an E attached to the name in the standings, uh, the hair, you know, it, it'd be like you, you having your bun. You pull it out and you let the hair flow out and then just, you know, let's see what what you got. Because how how would you feel if you're Ryan Merkley and you get, you get move? It's like, oh, sorry. You know, I know you see Mario Ferraro, you know, uh, limping off the ice, you know, but. Um, well, I mean, but, I want to I want to I want to put it to you this way. What does Nikki? What, sorry, Nicholas Maloche and um, and Magna, J, Jason Magna. Jacob. Jacob, excuse me. Um, what positives do they add over Ryan Merkley at this point? He's I think got to Ma- be looking at 
Magna, like defensively. Magna, but but Magna and Malosh are both defensive specialist guys. Right? Yeah. So so wouldn't it make sense to pair Burns with a, a Magna or Malosh, have Pickles with Ferraro, and then have Vlasic and have Ryan together? Yeah. I mean, like like I said before, you know, Vlasic was, you know, giving some praise to Merkley, you know, making things happen with him like that. But you know, either Malosh or Magna with EK. Uh, do you reunite Ferrara and Burns? I mean, if it worked all right, I don't. I say why not? Or uh, Ferrara with EK. Or yeah, or vice versa. Either yeah. way. Yeah, because um, I think Magna. I think Magna and Magna and Burns seem to have some good chemistry going right now. So you know, maybe you don't want to break that up, but you know, a guy that. Who's already had, you know, his his normal stay at home person, uh, Middleton, had already been traded away. So, you know, Eric Carlson is already having to adjust to a new, you know, to a new pair. So why wouldn't you just keep one pair, keep, you know, two out of your three pairs stabilized? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you like to have that. You know, uh, I know we don't do the wraparound anymore, but I, I do have to say something while we're having this conversation about getting the youth players in here in San Jose. How effed up are the Philadelphia Flyers? Did you see what happened today? No, I have not. Full oh, sir. dude. So Keith Yandels had the, has the NHL record for 990, 989 consecutive games. Flyers aren't making the playoffs, you know, and <laughs> They they told Keith Yandel, you're getting scratched today. We need to take a look at the kids. 989 games. You're 11 away from letting him have 1,000 straight. Meanwhile, Phil Kessel's reading down your back. You know, uh, read the room. Read the room. If you go on social media, the flyers are getting torched. Um, you know, now granted... Did Keith Yandel do the same thing Patrick Marlowe did and has probably stretched out his career because of a of a of a games played streak? Sure. But, you know, he deserves some kudos on that matter. Yeah, I agree, but I also think that Keith Yandel was hiding a little bit behind that games played streak. I, I don't think Keith Yandel has played you know, to his ability in the last couple of years. I think one, he's he's getting older, yeah. But two, I also think that he's gotten um, complacent with the streak and feeling like, okay, you know, uh, whoever coach is going to coach me is going to have to play me to in order to honor this streak. And I think he was kind of riding on that a little bit because this isn't the first time the Flyers had flirted with not dressing him this season. Um yeah. So I, I don't have as much sympathy for him, but I tend to look at it as Bob Boogner. What are you doing? Why are you know, it, you've got to figure out what you've got in these kids for next season. You've got to figure out if you have any pieces that can help move this team in the right direction for next season. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, too, Landy. Sorry to cut you off yeah. there. But, I mean, you need to know what you have going into next season. And some of the things that you currently have don't go together. It's like if you had 
it's almost like if you had like car parts for a Tesla and you're trying to put it into a Toyota RAV4. Yeah, you and know, you know the other thing too. I felt you, really you try to you try to do whatever you can do to uh, to piece together a decent car for for the race. I mean, tonight you look at a, a kid like Jonathan Dolan, right? He's just getting back from injuries. Was on you know absent for five games, and what's he do? He messes with him up and down the lineup. It's like, look, the kid is not even got his timing back, and you're already slagging him for for his effort. I mean. Let the kid settle down for a game before you start moving him up and down. And that's and that's kind of we're seeing like it feels like we're seeing Peter DeBoer 2.0 at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, let's be honest, though. He was a part of PDB system. And I think that that's part of the problem. Yeah. Now, is he now? Is, does he give the Sharks the best chance to win? Sure. What pieces does he have? Does he give the pieces the best chance to win? Yeah. But the tough part is is that he's trying to find the right mix. And the right now the best mix is Hurdle, Meyer, Barabanov. And then, you know, we go Charlie Brown Christmas tree and then move our hands all over the place and hope to find something in, in, in the leftover blender that PDB left before he went to Vegas. Yeah. It's it's just it's just it's frustrating to see because, you know, you you know, this team can look good. We saw it early on in the season. And. And it's just frustrating to see them get off. I want to say, yeah, they got off to a good start. Thank you for the 25 percent off at Sharks Pro Shop. Hashtag no free ads. (laughs) But then, you know, four goals after that. I think Bob said two of them were bad. The the fourth goal was unacceptable with 0.3 seconds left. That's a you defensive know. mistake, though. I I put that. That's again. I, we, oh yeah. When we had talked about it in the chat it, it, and and in the the breakdown, I think you could make a real strong argument. Two of those goals were on the goaltender, but the other two were complete and utter brain farts in front of the net. So the so what we're so what we're gonna say is is that we're gonna have Kakin and you know play all the road games and then we'll have Reimer play all the home games <laughs> because shoot the guy put up what seventy five saves in the two in his first two starts in San Jose like oh you feel for the guy he couldn't get couldn't you know get it done well uh, but here's the thing though the 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 Sharks defense has been asking the Sharks goaltenders to bail them out the entire year. I think we've seen markedly improved goaltending, hence why we're seeing some better some better stats. But I think it's it's kind of smoke and mirrors. I think still I have issue with the way that this team defensive the way that this team's defensemen play defense and 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 the system in which they operate because it can, we're continuing to see these brain farts and and when you don't have one of these offensive defensemen playing to their elite talent the whole system falls apart there's not it there's not a, a a safety blanket of let's just dump and chase and go down to simple meat and potatoes it's always okay get it to brent burns let him wrist it in or get it to ek65 let him trot it in there's, there's no there's no creativity from the back end. It seems like they're always deferring to to 
you know, to the lead offensive defenseman within the pair. And uh, again, I just now look at it as, is it time to look for a new coach that can win with a new set of players coming in, uh, you know, a, a, a refreshed or at least a markedly younger roster than than what Bootner's had before. Uh, okay, so I I, I kind of see the devil's advocate in this one. I think he, I think there is like Bob gets one more chance with with the roster next season because let's be honest here, you're going to definitely have a lot more youngsters on this team. I think it's you can, I don't think you can hold back William Eklund. You know, you're going to have the likes of Robbins, uh, Bordalo, you would you would think uh, among others to to have at your disposal. Um, yeah, they got to play two way hockey. You know, but at the same time, you know, these kids need to shine bright and they want to show off their skills. And the, the these kids have some amazing skill sets, um, but but they, yeah, they need to be defensively sound. But you also need to have the speed and you have the skill. And let's be honest here. The, I mean, there have been a lot of injuries put together, throw in COVID uh, uh, among that. This season, I mean, this team has gone through a lot uh, early on, and it's just like right before the All Star break, it just kind of started falling apart. Uh, if they can, if they can keep their keep their legs going, get off to good starts. Don't have these nightmare starts where you're where Bob's, you know, throwing everybody under the bus and be like, dude, do something for your goaltender. He's bailed you out so many times. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I'd love giving them the benefit of the doubt, and and giving them a pass on you know what has happened, and you know, there's been a lot of injuries and in, in X, Y, and Z. But all you gotta do is look over at L.A. and go, okay, L.A. has had a very similar you know, set of circumstances in and around them and look at how they've responded and look at how their young kids have come and bubbled up a year early and pushed some major roster decisions that LA didn't think that they would be needing to make because mm -hmm. their kids have come in and, and impressed and, and because the way that that team has worked. So for every for every Sharks apologist, I put up L.A. and say, okay, yeah, the Sharks got dealt some really crappy cards, but you just look right down 300 miles in Southern California and you look at where L.A. was last year and where they are this year. And, and that, to me, that says that San Jose first didn't recalibrate early enough to right. you know to their division and what was happening in their division and two their players are not as maybe motivated isn't the right word but they're definitely not reaching full potential and firing on all cylinders like the kings seem to be doing now 
Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, the Kings realized that they had to start rebuilding, and they did it. But they also kept their core together with Kopitar and Dowdy, and, and for that matter, Quick. I mean, they had Jack Campbell trade him away to get some assets. They had Jake Musson trade him away to get some more assets, you know, among other things. To to then see Quentin Byfield finally get get going here because you know the poor guy had had an injury to him. Um, you know, L.A. Which makes it suck. So I know. Much. I know. Oh, LA, sorry, you've gotten ahead of things here. Great. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, and hell, look at Anaheim. Look at the crazy start they had. You know, uh, it worries you that you're going to go up there. But hey, now in a few years' time, and you hope the Sharks are on board, that that's going to be a fun California gauntlet once again for everybody doing that road trip. Yeah, yeah, and and you just look at the way in which each of these organizations have approached their their re- retooling, rebuttoning up, and and you take a look at the the job Rob Blake has done and and the asset management that they've that they've done there, and it's it's paid off in spades for them. Um, for the Sharks, you know, we did talk a little bit about the mismanagement. We did talk about how there's a guy over on you know wearing wearing kelly green with the number 16 he's on his second contract with the dallas stars and you look at the guy that directly replaced him he's not even wearing a sharks uniform any longer and um that you know i like i was telling the cast a little bit early that it wasn't ek65 that prevented joe pavs from not resigning it was ek9 that was the contract no yeah I mean, yes, the the EK65's contract not help. Yeah, of course not. But at the same time, getting that defensive guy, you needed that. But also, let's be honest here. Evander Kane was brought in to essentially re- replace Patrick Marlowe's numbers. They needed a scoring winger that they can put on the line. And I believe he was with Pavs and Donskoy, if I'm not mistaken, early on. Mm-hmm. You know, so they needed a, a score for that. They wanted that that dynamite score. I mean, Kane did that, and then all the stuff, you know, off ice started to, you know, get out of hand. It was um, the con- it was the contract for me though. It was that first contract out of out of uh, you know his last deal from from Buffalo. You know, going yep. at, they had that playoff run. He he was okay in the playoffs, but he wasn't great. And then they signed him to that deal, and I thought, wow, they didn't even walk him to free agency. They didn't even play hardball. They just gave him the deal right off the bat. That really restructured the forward core. And really restructured how the forwards were starting to get paid, and yeah, to me that was the nail in the coffin. Not and, and the I think sixty-five deal. And I also think they overvalued what they had in the in the system. I mean, let's be honest. We we were all about the hype about you know Shemilevsky and, and Chekovich, and it just didn't pair out. You know, going into that first year without Pavs, and that bit the Sharks in the butt. And you're hoping rather than knowing what you have. So, well, that being said, I mean Joe Pavelski now leads his team back into a playoff spot. <laughs> They've got three games in hand on Vegas, so it's going to be which I don't mind at all. <laughs> it is going to be a dog fight, that is for sure. Puck guy, we are closing in on the hour mark, so let's go ahead and let's get this wrapped up a little bit. 
Um, you know, besides kind of the takeaway, the key takeaways from tonight, is there anything else that you that you wanted to maybe shout out from the tank or, you know, get some good grub in or anything like that? And then um, what are some storylines that you're looking for in these uh, last 14 games? Uh, for me, it was nice to see a good crowd back at the tank on a Saturday night. Um, yeah, I'm not wanting to see uh, paths come back and bite you because it's just you just know that it's going to start so much uh, stuff <laughs> with people fighting over it. Um, there's some potential there, but I think even there's even some more potential that we're waiting in that we're just like oozing over like every highlight video we get, whether it's, you know, uh, Daniel Gushin with Niagara, whether it's Tristan Robbins in in uh, Saskatoon. Uh, shout out Drew Remenda, who my mom wants the Sharks to have his, his next co- head coach. Man, I've been mom. Sorry. Uh, we, uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think that, that first tenure, not as head coach, but as an assistant, kind of left a sour mouth in the organization. A sour days of the org's mouth. <laughs> as AJ would say, just a scotch. Maybe. <laughs> uh, you know. Michigan with Bordalo. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to all of that coming together. I mean, uh, I I can't wait to see what these kids can do. And that's where I think you give everybody a shot. You see a chance and see what they can do. And if not, hey, we'll head down to, what is it called? Tech CU Arena at Sharks Ice at San Jose. Can I buy a Val? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, the potential's the there. We just have to go through the rough part. As as Mike Babcock said when he was named head coach of Maple Leafs, oh, there, there's going to be pain, and there's going to be much pain, and we just have to get through this, you know, and, and that's what we got to do right now. So uh, as for the tank, you know, uh, the chicken tenders, fourteen fifty. Oof. All right. The 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 sauces, not bad. I mean, it, it's good. I just wish there were more. Um, you know, but uh, overall, nice atmosphere tonight. Um. I can't wait to go back on apparently Tuesday. <laughs> so back to you, Landy. <laughs> well, as far as I'm concerned, again, got to play spoiler. You got to figure out what is going on with the farm system and what that farm system is going to be percolating for next season. Again, I want to see some more consistency in the defensive zone. I want to see them start to maybe change up patterns and, and start to change up plays and, and inject some more creativity into this offense because, um, you know, they scored four tonight, but they couldn't keep it out defensively. And then, of course, you know, when they keep it defensively locked in, they can't score at all. So let's see if, if you know, and, maybe and we can have the, a balanced attack. Would that be and it, kill anybody? That'd be nice. <laughs> that but That's, you know, that goes to the argument three years ago when you lost Nyquist. I'm not even going to say Donskoy because he was on such a long schneid. You know, there's that. But, of course, Pavelski. And then if you add in Kane, you know, you lose all that goal scoring from the final years that they're there. You're going to be hurting, and you're banking on a lot of things to happen. You know, uh, some guys that are on this team just need to be better. Yeah, I know it kind of sounds simple and it sounds cliche, but guys need to be better. You know, they can't be average. I know Bob called out – I forget it was um, – Oh, Bob called out Holland tonight. Um, I think and uh, Balsers was it? I think Balsers was a guy that was also on the receiving end of a tongue lashing. Um, but you you look at what Gregor did tonight. Gregor had a better game for sure. Yeah. Um, I think 
look, Balsers is, is a interesting kind of character because I think there are some games he comes really hard to play, and I think that there are other games that you know he can be pushed off the puck a little easy. So yeah. again, but that's a growth thing. That's that's just going to come with reps, and and again, it's 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 going to come with consistent playing time. I mean. Uh, how much are you really going to get done with nine minutes and 30 seconds of ice time tonight for Jonathan Dahl? Again, with Balsers, 11 minutes and 42 seconds. Those, those, I mean, that John Leonard, 10 minutes and 46 seconds. You got to give these young guys a little bit more leash. You, you got to see what they can do. You got to build up the confidence and, and, um, and really nurture these players. And, and that's what I want to see in these last 14 games, if anything, is, is just Bob be a little bit more understanding of where he's at in the standings, what the objective needs to be for the rest of the season, developing players instead of jockeying for this imaginary third wild card position that they're trying to get into. <laughs> and, and and finally, finally pull the Band-Aid on it's all the vets. It's all vets all the time. And it, it really needs to change that philosophy um, because this team is dying playing its vets over and over and over the amount of time that they really should be playing. Yeah. Uh, if I'm looking at it correctly, because of the loss, the Sharks now sit in the number 10 spot and just having fun with the Tankathon. Um, <laughs> of course, uh, of course, Chicago and Vegas would win the draft lottery on on the one time oh. I do think about. <laughs> and because Vegas is so down low, uh, they only move up ten spots to number six. That means the Sharks drop down a spot. So okay, AJ pulling up this, and 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 we'll why don't we talk about this and and then we kind of end it up. Maybe the problem is that Dolan and Balsons yep. aren't as good as you think. Maybe they're third liners and you're expecting second line talent. Well, AJ, I'll just tell you this. I'd love to see them just stick on the third line. <laughs> you know, they're not even getting they're not even getting a lot of looks on the third line, let alone even be, you know, besides the what, three or four shifts that Dolan got on the second line tonight before he was promptly ejected off of that so look i can't even tell you what kind of talent they are because they're not even giving me a good showcase of what these guys can do and that's the problem and and aj you bring up that point and it's the same point that i think a lot of people had about you know like i said chekovich and shemilevsky uh a couple of years ago it's like we were expecting more because we've been we've been told they are so good they're great and everything and they aren't. And, you know, you got to make a decision on Dolan, you know, after being so touted. Does he really want to stay here or does he want to go back to Sweden or find someplace else? Well, I think you look you know? at the beginning of this of a season and, and you go, there's some talent there. I think that there's some talent yeah. there. And I think that there's definitely a player, a, a player there. But he also needs to be in a system and needs to be with a coach that's going to play him in the right spots. Right now, that's not happening. Right. He's got to show it, of course. He's got to bring the effort. Yes, you got to bring. If you're playing nine minutes, you got to bring the nine minutes. You got to bring it, no matter what. So yeah, 
you're limiting uh you know you're limiting that kid to nine minutes to show what he's got and i don't think that that's fair and i don't think that that's fair to the to the player i don't think it's fair to the organization because you really don't get to see what exactly the player is and you're just going to be setting yourself up for more of the same burnout next year of we got to roll if if we can't trust these kids we got to just burn out our vets even more and i and i that needs to change that needs to change just needs to you change know, they they need to be better they i mean dolan if they're supposed if you want to be a second line center you want to be the scoring guy that you put at the numbers overseas last year you need to bring it because if you're going to have matt nieto on on your top six Whew. That tells you something about your depth. Yeah. Yeah. Depth problem and not knowing what kind of depth you have. I think that's two compounding issues. So Absolutely. Uh, okay, Eric. Well, that being said, I think it's it's time to kind of end this this show up. It was great to have you jump on board. Thank you everybody for jumping in again uh, after the the stream had a hiccup. We appreciate uh, you know, everybody coming out. In case you missed us and you want to catch us again, check us out across all of these podcasting platforms, that being the Apple Podcast, Google Play Store, the YouTube Rewind. We've got the SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and iHeartRadio all set up for you. So check out Teal Town USA across those platforms. And then, of course, always check out TealTownUSA.com. Eric, where can the people find you and your final thoughts? Uh, the people will find me probably in bed in about 15 minutes. But <laughs> uh, you can find me, as always, at PuckGuy14 on the Twitter and the Instagram. Uh, appreciate everyone joining us tonight. And those who said hi to me at the tank, it was great to see you all. Uh, come, Always say hi. Uh, I always appreciate everybody coming together. And, uh, and uh, yeah, looking forward to hopefully talking about a win next time. <laughs> Odd. but uh thanks a for win? holding it down bud what's that <laughs> uh yeah well as far as where you can find me you can use my first name that's e-r-i-k my last name l-a-n-d-i across all of the social media garbage platforms and uh, as far as my final thoughts go ooh, official mm. warm-up puck shiny shiny uh. <laughs> those are my final thoughts so everybody <laughs> keep it real keep it teal Keep it real, Teal. Thank you, and we will see you after the game against Edmonton. Have a good one. See ya.